Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today I'm so excited to be joined by the fantastic Leo Meal to talk all about their latest film, Mutt. And I wanted to start by talking about the, the audition process that you went through, because it sounds like the moment that you even heard about this project, that you had such an affinity and connection to the character. Um, and the director, Vuk, was basically like, you know, put yourself on tape and, and, I'll, and I'll take a look at it. And so mm -hmm. it sounds like that was something that you were very judicious about in the preparation that went into even just the self-tape. And so I was interested in the preparation work that you were doing even at that point before you landed the role. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because when I first saw the breakdown for the character, I was struck at how similar uh, Fenya, the character I play, and my background are. I mean, as a transmasculine actor at that point in time, that was the first time I had heard of a feature film that would allow me to bring the fullness of my identity to the character without having to convince casting to think differently about the part or imagine it in a new way or whatever. Um, and so in a sense, once I was able to connect with Vuk, because I was like, hey, you don't know me, but please, I am this part. Just give me the role. Um, he was like, all right, calm down. Uh, do a self-tape. And once I got the material, it was so naturalistically written. I mean, Vuk is a, a really fantastic writer of dialogue. And so in a sense, I actually didn't have to do very much for the self-tape. I work with a really amazing audition coach. Her name is Kelly McAndrew. We met, you know, for... I think an hour and worked through the different scenes and then just shot them over zoom. Um, and it was just me kind of relaxing and saying the words and feeling the impact of the scenes and the story that was being told in those particular moments, but it didn't, it wasn't like some of my other auditions where I have to rigorously prepare either because it's an accent or because the time period is different or because it's Shakespeare, you know, this, this actually felt like it was deeply right for me. Um, and so it just made me want it really badly, but it didn't necessarily shift my preparation process too much. I love that. And and it sounds like once, once Vuk kind of knew you were the right person for this role, um, that they were just like, you know, let's, let's start working on the character now. And so I was interested in the way that the two of you started collaborating and really building out a lot of facets, even going beyond what the script had described in all of the dialogue and all of the scenes that you were able to like dig beneath the surface together on. Yeah, totally. I mean, once I submitted my self tape, he asked me to come to New York to do a test shoot with him and another actor. And so we spent a whole day shooting together. We got to sort of experience each other's energy in a set like environment. Um, and that started to allow me to understand what kind of director Vuk is because Vuk is really soft-spoken. You know, he wants to kind of like allow the actor a lot of space to come into the part. And I think that he knew that you know, after having spent, I think, six years working on this script, he knew that what he had to say was on the page. And so the rest of it was kind of an invitation for the actor to take up space to find out, you know, what moments wanted to emerge from that. And so that test shoot day was like a really great trial period for us. And then I got the part. And as we started just, you know, having Zoom conversations about the role it became clear that, you know, Fenya on the page is written a lot more like an anti-hero in that he is than, than the way that I ended up playing him. Like he, on the page, he was 
even more defensive, a little bit more aggressive, just kind of had a prickly nature to him that was present in a lot of the film. And me, Leo, I'm a pretty soft and sensitive person. It takes a lot for me to get angry or defensive. Um, And so while I can do that as an actor, something that we kind of discussed through the rehearsal process was, is it actually more beneficial for me to bring the fullness of myself to this character and just see how vulnerable and raw and stripped down the performance can be in order to make it that much more real because mutt i mean it takes place over 24 hours it's these really intimate moments like it it wants to be almost no acting you know like just the the simplest approach possible and so through us talking about that we ended up having a fenya on screen who is a lot more likable than he was on the page and he's at moments defensive, but he's often very silly and sweet and available and vulnerable. And I think that what's been so powerful about watching the film have its journey with audiences is that people walk away from the film feeling like they have a trans friend and they've never met someone who's trans. And because this character is so accessible and doesn't have as many walls up, it feels like it sort of invites people into that. And I think that that's been really amazing to witness and experience. And I think also in in terms of your performance and the way that you've captured Fenya, when there are walls that are up, we fully understand where they've developed from through his past and through his relationships. And the script does such a great job at kind of like peppering in a lot of details, like even just looking at the conversation that he has with his younger sister about their mom and saying, you know, has she ever physically hurt you? And that wasn't the case for me. So there's so many details of backstory in the script. So I was interested in kind of how you wanted to shape those spaces where you felt like there would be triggers to kind of cause those defense mechanisms and to cause those walls to come up for him? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question because it was exactly that. It was identifying, okay, what are the moments that he feels triggered? What about that situation gets his defenses up? And then what is Fenya like when he's defensive? You know, like, is it just almost like a physicality thing of moving his shoulder forward or kind of like hunching his shoulders or doing something of needing to protect oneself? Because I feel like, especially folks who are, you know, survivors of any kind of physical abuse or domestic abuse, like there are ways in which it shows up in your body, even long after you are safe in the world. And so identifying like little ticks like that was really useful for me. And then also, you know, just kind of figuring out like, what, what are the things that Fenya thinks about himself? And so when other people don't match that point of view, he gets like defensive and is like, you don't see me. And I think that that's, that was sort of at the crux of it is like, I don't think all trans people feel this way, but I can just speak for myself. Like there's a desire, especially when you're early in your transition to be seen as who you really are and a frustration with you knowing who you are, but the world not yet catching up. And so this, this desire to have to constantly explain yourself or, you know, convince people of, of your point of view, even though it's mostly about gender, it tends to bleed out into other aspects of your life. So with John, my ex-boyfriend, even though our conversations actually weren't really about gender, it was about 
our relationship and what happened and who cheated on who or who did what. Like it was about other very sort of like quintessential romantic relationship issues, like this feeling that he wasn't seeing me, that he couldn't realize that I am the same person and that I messed up and that I would be different now. Like that sort of lack of um, feeling seen for who you are, I think was a recurring trigger point for Fenya because not only because of his gender, but just because you're in your early twenties and you're just starting to find yourself and you're hoping that everyone just catches up and forgives who you were when you were a late teenager and didn't really know what you were doing. You know what I mean? Like that kind of vibe. But, but I love the way that through Fenya's relationship with John, that we really get to see every facet. It's almost like we get to see the entire cycle of what that relationship was in one day and everything mm-hmm. that they went through with all their history, because we see the romanticism, kind of the, the physical attraction. And then we also see like the volatility and the resentment and the, the things that ultimately broke them apart. Um, and so what were the important facets that you wanted to make sure that you captured in terms of really being like, this isn't just talking about one area of their relationship. This is the entire higher cycle of of everything they went through together. Yeah. I mean, I think that we started with wanting to make sure that Cole and I had the kind of chemistry that was needed to tell that story in full because you are just dropping into these moments. It needs to feel really lived in like we did have, you know, a two or three year long relationship previously And a lot of that stuff that we're talking about, you don't see on screen. And so it's only interesting if it feels true, you know, because otherwise it's just like people talking about what happened before. And it's like, well, I wish I just saw that instead of this thing. Um, And so when Cole and I first met, we decided to go on a date. (laughs) Um, We went to Cole, like asked me out on a date. It was so sweet. And we went to this bar in Lower East Side and it was really dark and we shared a cigarette and we just sort of talked about our relationship history and our dreams and our insecurities and all of the things that sort of allowed us to start to build that history and that shared language. Um, Because once, once the chemistry was just there, which I guess that's almost something you can't control. Like we just had chemistry together, but then we kind of were wanting to build on that. Once we had that, it was like, okay, there is a connection between these two people. It's undeniable their attraction. Now, why do they miscommunicate? Like what's their arguing style that makes it so it's like they just cannot hear each other no matter how badly they want to connect. And that was the work that we were doing when we were preparing for the big fight scene at the end Um, was just like, that feeling of you're saying something and it seems so obvious to you and clear to you what you mean. And the other person is just perceiving it in the exact opposite way. And it was just that over and over again. And we were like, how can we just stay in this feeling of disconnection, even as we reach for each other? Yeah. And also going back to what you were talking about with, with some of the the physicality of the character in terms of like those moments of tenseness and defensiveness, there's also kind of like a relaxed openness to a lot of your body language in the film as well. And there's even that, that moment where John's like, you know, you seem happier, you seem less tense. Um, mm-hmm. And so with that side of it, how did you want to capture the physical aspect of Fenya? I mean, I think that was just me being relaxed, you know, (laughs) like, I think it's such a, 
this film is my first feature as a lead actor in anything. And it feels like such a like cosmic gift that this was the film that I got to make my debut in because in part, like just six months before I read the character breakdown, I had given myself permission to get top surgery. And what I mean by that is like, it took me a long time to feel like it was okay for me to do something that I could maybe live without, you know, and be sort of like, okay, but I wanted it. And that, that feeling of wanting something is enough. You don't need to like be in a life or death scenario to deserve to have joy and pleasure and feelings of confidence and joy in your body and in yourself in the world. And so my personal journey sort of coincided with Fenya's journey to a certain extent where he had just, when we're seeing him, he's just given himself permission to live authentically. And I think that he wants to be in a state of relaxation, to lean back. And there are moments, especially with John, where he forgets that he looks different. He forgets that he's anyone but himself. And he's just with this person he loves and is attracted to. And so he can, he can like lean back in that. And I think that's really special. And for me, I, I prepared for that by just simply being in that state as much as possible, just relaxing and breathing and being present with Cole, um, the actor who played John. And I think it, it's just so special to see that on screen because for trans people, like we're often depicted in this way that is either in the middle of transition, we are in suffering, we are trying to, it's nothing mundane often. We never get the privilege of mundanity. And so to see these moments and these glimmers of Fenya just totally relaxed, I'm like, that's wildly radical, especially in today's world. Um, so yeah. And in the scene where, Fe- where Fenya show re- kind of like reveals uh, his top surgery to John mm-hmm. is such a beautiful scene in terms of just the vulnerability, you know, not knowing how he's going to respond. And then the fact it is still just like this very intimate, emotionally connected moment between the two of them. Um, and I've heard you say that that's one of your favorite scenes of the film as well. And so what, what was important to you emotionally in terms of like Fenya in that moment for a scene like that? Because it's so intricate and nuanced in terms of your performance in that moment. Thank you. Um, I think that what was most important to me was uh, feeling the pride of loving, like Fenya loving his body, because I think the trap of that scene could have been here I am, I'm torn apart. I'm, I look at these scars, like I only feel good if. I have your approval of me because it's so to show your body to a lover anytime is vulnerable and to show your body to a lover when it's changed, when they used to be attracted to you in one form and now you're quite different. And the question of, will they still be attracted to me because I'm still attracted to them? That's so vulnerable. And it can often be filled with a sense of, like I said, shame or embarrassment or reticence. And I think that that was always going to be put onto that scene in part by the audience of like, oh my God, whoa, what's going to happen? What, what, what is this? I've never seen this. So I'm like, for me as the actor, if I can help to balance the tenor of it by including aspects of pride 
and also kind of, I don't know what the word is. Like, it's like a soft, tender feeling of being received by someone. Like when he touched me, the fact, like he touched my chest, like the fact that he's being so gentle, like loving that, noticing that he's being gentle and being grateful and like leaning into him. Like, I think that provided the contrast to what we think that scene is going to look like that made it have some of that nuance. Um, and because I got to live in that place of more pride and sort of gentle, like invitation, like inviting him in instead of like just shutting him out. Once, once we got past that hump in the scene, like, I don't know. I'm like, I think that it was, it felt very good. It felt very positive. It felt very affirming. Um, yeah. And then, and then there's the other moment in the film that's very much a moment for Fenya feeling very seen by his father uh, when his dad's telling a story about, you know, remember when you were young and it was raining and it's really his dad's way of saying, I see you and I love you for, yeah. for who you are. Um, and it's such a beautiful, touching scene. And so again, kind of like in a very different way with a different relationship and facet of, of Fenya's life, what was important to you in those moments? I mean, I really related to the relationship that Fenya had with his father. For me, it was more a mirror of my relationship with my mother where she's always loved and accepted me. I feel so privileged to have such an accepting mother. Um, but she didn't always understand, you know, she's Puerto Rican, like the culture, uh, like Hispanic Latin culture is so different, um, around ideas of gender. And so it just took her some time to, really see things from my perspective and understand that she still had the same child. She wasn't losing her daughter by accepting me in my fullness. And so a lot of my preparation around that scene was making it really specific to my relationship with me and my mom and just trying to sort of remember the moments where I felt like she said something that she didn't even realize honored me and kind of like validated that I've always been this way because there's this other narrative too that can sometimes be told where trans people are suddenly trans, like they discover that they're trans and it's like a new thing. Whereas for many people, again, you know, I can't speak for every trans person on the planet, but for many of us, we've always been trans. Like we didn't, it, it, like you can see it if you look back at our childhoods with like the right perspective, like, oh, wow, you've been telling us this this whole time. And so the fact that he brings up this story and honors like a past that Fenya probably tried to forget because for a period of time, it's also a thing that I had to do where I had to dissociate from a previous version of myself in order to honor who I was becoming. And so the fact that his father invokes, um, this past story and then finishes it by saying mi compadre, which is like my guy. And, and through that, like honors Fenya as a son, even though, you know, he had this experience with him when he was younger. I don't know. It just, it was so impactful. And, and Alejandro Goich, who plays my father is a master actor. And he he came to set just for the last week of shooting. We saved all of the stuff with the dad to finish out the production. And um, 
he got to set and we, I had never met him before, never zoomed with him, never talked to him. We're like about to shoot the next day. We go to a bar and he's having a beer and chain smoking like a chimney. It's so impressive. Um, and he's just reading the text with me and Vukas sitting there and we're reading the scene. And in the middle, he looks up and he's like, you're really good. You're really, really good. And I was like, and then he keeps going. And for me, it, that was the confidence I needed, I think, to actually relax and be present with him because he sort of taught me what it means to like, let go of your training, let go of your idea of what the script, what the words are, just be there with the other person. What would you actually do? He like brought that kind of radical presence into the production. And I think that's what allowed our scenes together to feel so grounded and connected because he was just like, no, 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 forget the words. What would you actually say? Um, and, and then also the, the confidence that he gave me that like, okay, like, I can do this professionally. I can be in the scene with you and match you and be real with you. Um, so yeah, yeah. And you've really had to create so much history and so much backstory in every single one of Fenya's relationships and, and wanted to ask you as well about the relationship with Fenya's sister, Zoe, who shows up because it's something where it's like, I haven't, may not have been in your life for the last year or so because of our family dynamics, but they still kind of just have this immediate secret language, like even just like the handshake where they kiss their fingers afterwards. Um, And so I was interested in kind of like just how you found kind of what's that, what's that secret language that we have from growing up and knowing each other for so long? Yeah. I mean, both Mimi Ryder, who plays um, my little sister Zoe and I have siblings that have a similar dynamic where I've got a little sister and she's such a menace, but we grew up together and we know each other, you know, better than anybody. And then she's got an older sister who's very close in age, Talia Ryder, who, you know, they're like two peas in a pod. And so there was something that both of us just immediately understood about this like close sibling dynamic. Um, and we throughout set, I mean, would just, or throughout production, like, in between scenes, we would be cracking jokes. I would be drinking coffee and I get really weird and anxious and paranoid when I'm on coffee or when I drink coffee. So I'm like, Mimi, am I being weird? She's like, no, you're not. Shut up. Like what? We were just like always making fun of each other. And all of the scenes that we did on the subway were just totally insane because it was like a hurricane outside. And so the subway in New York was flooding while we were like running around trying to shoot these scenes. And I think that aspect of like the flooding subway, not as many people and us like stealing these shots on the subway. Cause we weren't, you know, we didn't have like a permit though. I guess maybe it's allowed. I'm not sure. Um, people should look that up before they do it, <laughs> but we were just stealing them cause we're a tiny film with a tiny budget. And so she and I were just like jumping on the poles. We were like swinging around. We like came up with this whole second movie sequel to Mutt called Blood Mutt where Fenya gets revenge and I'm like covered in blood. And that's like why, you know, we were just like totally goofing off the entire time. And she was such a fun person to work with because she never, she was never stressed. She was always like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's all good. Like she just seemed like such a pro and very, very like nonchalant about the fact that we were, you know, shooting this movie. And she was like, whatever guys, like it's going well, who cares? Um, and that energy I think made me feel more silly and more relaxed and more just like in the moment. 
Um, and so I feel like a lot of our chemistry and the small little things just came out of us hanging out in between takes and like riffing on what we should do. Like that handshake is a handshake her and her sister do, um, which is so cute, you know, like that we got to bring that into the movie and um, integrated in that way. Yeah, it was cute. And and even kind of beyond this project, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Act Now, which is a, a community of trans and queer actors that that you're part yeah. of. And just I was interested in kind of how having a community like that has has impacted the work that you're able to do as an artist and a creative, just by having such a support system of people who are in the industry trying to do similar things. Totally. I mean, so Act Now is started by the amazing uh, actress and writer and producer director Rain Valdez, um, based in LA, but there's also sort of branches of the community in New York and elsewhere. And yeah, I mean, I was taking Rain's classes over Zoom during 2021 and 2022, kind of in the transition from pandemic back into the industry, gearing up again. And it was really just a confidence builder. It was this place where we could bring in scenes from any classic movie of ours that we love and play characters that quote unquote, capital H Hollywood would never cast a trans actor as, you know, like I was getting to play, um, what is his name? John Travolta in, um, Pulp Fiction. You know what I mean? Like, just like a, a, a serial killer dude or whatever hitman, like really pleasurable, fun, gorgeous characters and, and doing them in earnest with a group of people that are loving every minute of it. You know what I mean? Like that class and the community that rain has built is so much more about confidence building and community building than it is about like craft or technique or, you know, using your trauma as a way to get to the emotional truth of something. It doesn't have that tenor to it. It's, it's really just a place of cheering each other on because so much of the industry can be kind of demoralizing to me, to be honest. Um, and so I think that chapter of my life, taking those classes really set me up in a place where I'm like, I can do this. Like just because there haven't been as many opportunities for me to show what I can do doesn't mean I don't have the skill set to do this professionally. And so it's just a matter of time. And like, just stay patient, stay working. And then, you know, something will happen. And in a beautiful, you know, turn of events, I saw this feature, like right after I got done with those classes and, and, you know, here we are now. So. And, and as well as working as an actor, you're also a writer and director yourself and, and currently in development on your first feature film. Mm -hmm. And so especially going back to what you were saying earlier with this being your first time leading a feature film as an actor, what are some of the things from the experience of making this film that you're carrying into the experience of directing your first feature? Yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful that I got to do Mutt before I will embark on my first feature um, because man, oh man, it's like a masterclass in movie making. Uh, <laughs> if you can like get on a set before you make your first feature, no matter what role you're playing on the set, just get on the set. Um, I would highly recommend that. But yeah, I mean, I think from a story perspective, I think Mutt really opened me up to an understanding that I don't want this, this film, it was previously called Dysphoria. It's now called Mort. Um, and it has a whole backstory behind that. But basically, originally, it was a story in which my character was do spending a lot of the film 
explaining themselves, coming out, trying to sort of convince this family of the validity of who they are. And I think that doing Mutt and and watching the world transform over the past you know few years has really changed my perspective on the role that trans cinema can play in the world. And so I've reworked the story to be that, you know, my character has transitioned, they're past that, like that's not at all the primary motivation of the character. And instead it's so much about them viewing the other characters and how the other characters who are all cisgendered are engaging in acts of body augmentation that are society, like socially acceptable but yet when a trans person does it, it's like not acceptable. And so this like shift of the focus from the trans person's body to the cis people's body and the way that they police each other and their own sort of imperfect flesh kind of serves as a mirror for the way that trans people are regarded in the world. Um, so the story of it, I think, has really shifted. And then from the perspective of making the movie, it's like, OK, how can I set up? my production and my budget and my vision for the film that will allow me to maintain as much creative control as possible in my first feature so that I can show the world, okay, here is my vision. Here is my taste. Here is my style. And then moving forward, there might be more room for compromise, but at least people know what it looks like when it's unabashed. Because if you're not able to be unabashed early on, they're just going to want to put you in some hole that isn't meant for role. That's not meant for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my take on that. I, I absolutely love that. And, you know, especially after watching your performance in Mutt, can't wait to see the rest of the work that you do as an actor. Um, but also now can't wait to see your first feature film when it eventually comes to screens. Thank you so much, Leah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. It was great to talk to you.